Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Praise God. I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on recapping on, on what we've learned. If you want to go back and uh, pick up on some of those lessons, they're on the podcast. Uh, the first lesson, I focused on our first family, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Seth. And then uh, our last lesson we, we had, I focused on uh, Noah's family and hit those eight members. And uh, today I want to continue and press on. And I want to uh, talk about a, a particular family that's going to really seem um, a little bit more at home. And what I mean more at home, I mean more uh, used to what we're, uh, what we see in today's day and age. It's, it's, it's kind of outside the, the pattern and outline of the standard nuclear family. It's, it's got, it's got several things. And so much so, I'm only going to focus on um, a particular part of it. I'm going to only focus today uh, on the adoptive family part of it. And then next time we meet together, I want to focus on uh, the other part of the family. But this family consists of one father. This is just thinking about this. One father, two mothers, one adopted son, and two sons. So, um, two biological sons. And so today, uh, I want to find in this family, this patriarchal family in Genesis 11. We're going to pick up there and we're going to be uh, reading quite a bit. So I apologize. I, I have all the verses cued. So if you are the type that likes to follow along, it's going to be pretty easy. Stick around Genesis 11 through 18. Get your fingers, those fat fingers in those pages and uh, make sure you're ready to turn. But Genesis 11 verse 27 reads this. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in the Ur of Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai, or Sarai, was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son's his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were, or Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, uh, this this picture of this family kind of is the uh, the really the bookend of reading about Noah and and how uh, he uh, comes off the ark with this family. We talked about that last week, but we, we find in this chapter this this series of begats and 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 who was uh, related to who and all these types of things. But I, I want to 
focus on particular this family and I wanted to read that particular text because we're going to go right into the next chapter in Genesis chapter 12 and we're going to read the first five verses because there's something I want us to pull out and it says this now the Lord had said unto Abram get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Pause there for just a quick second. We know that the father's house was Terah's neighborhood, that whole area. We know uh, Terah decided to take his family and, and dig out a place to live, and that's where they're at. That's where Abraham, um, his wife, Lot, they're there in that area. Uh, and so we, we, I believe also Nahor's there as well in his family. So most of everyone's there in that local neighborhood. But we see that Abraham is told to, to leave in that first verse. Get out from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee. And make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee and uh, there shall all families of the earth be blessed so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran verse 5 Abram took Sarai or Sarah or however you want to say it today uh, his wife and Lot his, his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had had begotten in Haran meaning like all the servants the, the people that they gathered and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came now the thing I really want us to focus on uh, primarily, uh, right out of the gate, because this series is focused on two things. The, the proper way a family should function. The biblical way a family should get together. The family should, should, should operate. But also, we're going to look at ways that families are dysfunctional. And this whole series is going to look at both sides. And, and so this family has quite a bit of both. And the very first thing I want to emphasize, the first area that where this family properly functions, and it's really important because Taras installs a really valuable function into his family, especially Abram. And Abram, in particular, takes this function and continues it in his life. And that is that a family must stick together. You see immediately in Genesis 11 at the end that we just read that Terah takes his family. He not only just doesn't worry about his things, his servants, but he cares for his children. And he takes not his children only, but their wives and, and family. And he even adopts Lot. Now Lot is this son of, of, of Haran. And Haran was a, a, a brother. And, and so we see this, this family come together and this connection connection and, and, and how they move from one place to another. And here we find now when God tells Abraham, listen, I'm calling you. And this is so important for us, us to also emphasize that a Abram was 75 years old. I mean, I, I'm just going to tell you what right now. I mean, there's, there's only one way I, I, I put on my t-shirts. All right. That's going to be hard to change. I, I'm not changing. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm, I'm 41 years old, and I'm not changing the way I put clothes on. It's set in stone, right? 
There are some things that all of us that are just set and we're not going to do. Can you imagine God coming and saying, all right, I need you to change some perspectives. I need you to change some steps. I need you to change some outlooks. 75 years old, you are in retirement mode, right? You're thinking, you're thinking like, man, I just want to relax. I've, I've worked hard. I've done all these things, but it's time for, I, I'm not changing. This old dog, you're not going to teach any new tricks. But God reaches out to him and pricks his heart, challenges him, and Abram steps up to the challenge, but he doesn't do it by himself. He says, I'm bringing my family with me. And the very thing that we need to grasp today for families is that we have to stick together. All right, we need to come together, make sure that we're, we're fighting together. We're going to talk more about that, but a family must stick together. And I know in part one, I mentioned this, that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, when we were focused on Adam and Eve and their relationship, and I'll read this verse, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You know, this, this family function that I talked about in part one, uh, it is still true. It doesn't, you have this one proper function of, of separation, right? But it's not the type of separation that we're focusing on today. And it's so important that we understand that this type of separation that you read about in Genesis 2 and 24 was prioritizing a bond between a husband and wife. It wasn't trying to get you to discard your family. So I want us to understand, you know, newlyweds in the house or people about to get married. Uh, I want you to hear this, that it's so important that you uh, are, are going to go into a season, a new season where it's just going to be you and your spouse. But you have to realize that you still have family. You still have some kin. You still have, a, you're part of a tribe, if you could say it that way. And whether you are agree in, in ideologies, whether you agree, uh, you know, whether you agree in focus, whether you agree in, in religion and politics and all those things, it, you still have to be family. Like it or not, they say that you can't what, family? You can't choose family, right? You just can't choose them. You're stuck with them. Well, we'll talk about a little bit that you can kind of choose family. But there's just some family you're stuck with, right? God designed families to stick together. And we don't have to live under the same roof, but we need to live under the same covering. And especially his covering. And it's so important. I have family uh, that are night and day from me. And I pray for them. I ask God to cover them and keep them because they're part of my family. And I want to make sure that they're okay. And I want to make sure that they're, they're alive. And I want to make sure that what I know to be true, amen, what I know to be right in Scripture and what I know to be a heaven or hell issue, that my God, let them see those things. And my God, let their heart be pricked. And my God, somewhere in their life, they come at an intersection in life and they have this interaction with God and they see something that I wasn't able to display. That's all right. I don't have to be the soul winner of every soul in this world. That's not what my prayer is. But my God, help, 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 help people 
people get to heaven, and especially, Lord, I'm biased. Help my family get to heaven, right? right? It's all right to pray that way. It's okay to be biased about your family. It's all right to admit that there's some family members that, you know what, we, we just don't see eye to eye, but I can still love them. I can still care for them. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to change your principles. It doesn't mean that you've got to, you know, undo some fences and, and move it around so you can make it, you know, a gate a little bit bigger so some of their issues can come on into your camp. That's not what it is. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you, we have to have an attitude with family that it's not just going to be, you know, me and my four and that's it. I don't care what you do over there. I don't care what's going to happen. No, I need to care. I need to worry. I need to be burdened for my family. And I really, like I said, we're going to speak a lot to parents and, and we need to start thinking about certain things. And I want us to start, as parents, start thinking legacy. Legacy and start thinking covering and start thinking uh, about these questions. And one question is, as a leader of my house, what am I leaving behind? What am, I, what, what am I leaving in the coffers, as they say? What, what type of inheritance is going to be left behind? What will my family say of me when I'm gone? What type of covering am I leaving for my family? Here's another question I like. What type of glue am I applying that will keep my family together? I have some, I, when I think about this lesson and I th begin to play back some, some memories of my old family members, let me just say this. I, I, uh, I love my, um, my grandmother, Huba. I love, um, I'm going to speak about her for a second because of, of something she didn't leave me. I don't think I ever, um, I, I, I don't, remember ever having any trinket from her when she passed away. I don't, I don't have anything right now that I can remember. Now, maybe my parents have those things and waiting, and that's something that I'll, I'll grab a hold of. But I remember uh, going down to Tallahassee and um, as a youth pastor, <clears throat> later on in life, my grandmother died at, well, I think it was 16 years old, 15, 16 years old, and uh, it was a sad day. She was, uh, we were very close to her, and uh, like anybody you're, that passes away, it's, it's heartbreaking. And so, but when I grew up and married, and I moved down south to where my other uncle was, and I remember going over to Annette Culp's house and hanging out at her house one day, and she had this really nice, ornate uh, uh, china uh, cabinet. And I was like, oh, that's really pretty. That's really nice. And just, you know, making some small talk. And she goes, oh, did you know that was your grandmother's? And, and internally, I'm like, what are you doing with it? <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I didn't bring my truck today, but I'm about to take this thing out your house. <laughs> because there was no blood relation with her. Uh, there's very, they're very close, and yes, there, you know, there's degrees of separation and kind of relation. But I was her grandson, and and I just kept thinking, I, I, I don't even like china cabinets. All right, if you know me, you've been in my house already. I care less about dishes. I really don't. I don't care if it's paper plate. God bless a paper plate. Amen. 
But I don't, I, I'm not the type that needs to have things showing and, and those things. That's, that's, that's not my thing. But it was just the matter of like, that's inheritance. That's something that she used to have. And I wish I had that. I wish I had something. And it made me th think about, man, I wish I had something else and this or that. Or maybe, let's, let's, be, let's be honest, how many loves when you get some money from maybe from an inheritance, right? But I can tell you this, my grandmother was not rich. She was not, she was not super wealthy by any means, but she was rich in prayers. And she was wealthy in covering. And she did what she, that was so needful. So I want you to hear me today, parents. You don't have to have the, the greatest job that, that can buy an airplane, that can do things, that can pay for vacations, and, you know, have all sorts of things in waiting. We need parents that know how to pray and, and walk a, a holy, righteous life and be an example and, and say, you know what? My life will be a legacy for my children. And I'm leaving that because I want them to see that I brought them from this place to another place because that's what families are supposed to do. They're supposed to stick together. That's, that's one of the biggest, probably first proper functioning Dynamics that we're going to focus today is that families need to stick together. It's important to note that Abram and his wife chose to be a family before they had their first son. Abram and his wife adopted the nephew Lot. And family isn't always immediate. Family is allowed to be bigger than what your house dictates. And hopefully I can tell you that, and, you know, when I was thinking about this analogy here, I was, you know, trying to, uh, I'm trying to work this analogy out on, on uh, very little sleep. And, um, and sometimes I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But I mean, I think about how houses are. And I remember uh, putting myself in uh, some situations uh, when I, when me and my wife first married, we didn't need a lot. It was just us two. But when we start to have children, what we looked for was a bigger house. We looked for a house that can meet those needs, you know, looking immediately for a two-bedroom uh, or three-bedroom house, you know, one bedroom for all of us for the most part. And, and uh, you know, hey, I grew up in a house my, that I remember having a one-bathroom house. And so uh, I, I thought, man, let's try to find a two-bathroom house because those are awesome. And so we... we uh, as we grew, I remember looking for those things, and that's how we all are. I think, uh, I'm not sure if you finally found the, the house that need, meets your needs, uh, but there's some people that need warehouses. And <laughs> but, but what God does, it's different. He's the opposite. What he is asking is that you open space in your family, and you worry about the family first, before you worry about the house. Because if we're able to open our, our lives and open our hearts to more family, and that means adopting somebody somehow. Now, that doesn't mean going necessarily filling out papers, getting the stamp, taking the picture with the judge and all that type of stuff. That's one part for sure. But I'm saying to care for somebody who, who, who's without. 
to, to take somebody under your wing, to worry about somebody, to pay somebody's bill, to, to take somebody out to eat, to adopt somebody as a, a brother or sister, and to say, you know what, I want to be a family who chooses somebody to be a part of my family. What an awesome opportunity to finally choose family, right? To say, you know what, I'm choosing this individual to be a part of what I can share and what I can give and what I can leave. And then when I do that, then God gives me a bigger house. Now that's the same principle in church growth. Yeah. All right? If I care about people out there, and I open up this space in here to bring in people, to adopt them into this family. God will give us a bigger house. Amen? Yeah. There are times when we are pretty much shoulder to shoulder in this place. And I'm like, God, <laughs> your principles are true. But then there are some services where we got a lot of leg room. We got a lot of reach. And God's like, that house ain't ready yet. It's being truthful. Because we need to learn a, a, a principle that's so important. We need to learn how to choose family. We need to learn how to adopt some people into our lives. And this is exactly what happens with Abraham and his wife. And we find out here how much love. I, I, I really I should do a, a deeper study. I probably will. But I feel confident enough to, to say what I've seen that. And I'll break it down here because we'll get, I'll, I'll say this statement at the end of my, my lesson. It's not part of my notes, but I feel pretty strongly about it. Genesis 14, verse 12. Let's go there. The Bible says, And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped. Now this is the story to give context. This is a story when Sodom and Gomorrah was, was uh, overtaken. And uh, they, they took all families, they took wealth, all those types of things. At this time, Lot is living in that area, and Abraham gets word of it. Verse 13, and there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eschol and brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, let's pause right there for a second. I like how the word says that. Did you catch that? Not nephew. Not, not little nephew. Little, little nephew. Little nephew. Okay? He says, my brother. Hmm. His brother was taken captive. He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother, not, not little nephew, brother Lot. And his goods, and the women also, and the people. This chapter here focuses also on the concept and the and the and the need to, to tithe, and and how Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. But I want us to understand here that connection and love. That even though Abram and Lot are not living together, Abram is keeping tabs on his family. And not only was that 
that at one point a nephew has now been called a brother. And he cares so much that he puts his whole entire livelihood on the line to save that one family member. It's a powerful gesture, if I could say it that way. And we don't live in those days anymore. We don't live in those times where we have family in, in other states and other places and their life is literally just falling apart and we stay where we're at. Now, don't get me wrong. We have very loving people. I'm speaking, this, 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 this is to us. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about how many of us would, would go to a bank right now where you keep your mortgage and take out a second mortgage just to make sure that that family member that you hardly are able to, you can't even text or call. You don't know what's going on because that, that, it just doesn't exist. You don't have that ability to communicate. We're not talking about texting friends. We're not talking about video buddies that I get to talk to all the time. We're talking about a family member in a distant place that I finally got word that is going to die. And I'm, I, I, I have this moment where I'm like, oh, I can grieve and say how sorry I am. Or I can literally say, you know what? That is my family. And this brings me to my, my really second proper functioning purpose we must have as a family is that family fight for each other. Family fight for each other. And he this physical fight he, he jumps into, he has no problem doing so. But there's another way to fight. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 18 verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked. Let's pause here for context. This chapter here, God just speaks to him and his wife saying, you're going to have a child. And um, at this moment, um, he changes names. God changes names uh, and changes his wife's name to Sarah and changes Abram to Abraham in these moments. And we also see that these God sends, uh, the Bible says, really they're kind of angels to uh, be messengers in that time to the tent there of Abraham and his wife to explain what's going to happen. And they're all taught, Abraham comes out of the tent, he's talking with, with these divine individuals and uh, they're talking about the promises and she overhears it and she's laughing within herself because she's in her 90s. And it's, uh, she's like, this is ridiculous. It's funny. And so when, when God speaks up and makes the point, well, what are you laughing about? And she's terrified in the moment. She's like, I don't know. What, I'm not laughing. There's nothing to laugh about. He's like, no, I know what you're laughing about. But can God not do anything? Can, uh, can you not believe God can do the impossible? That's what he speaks into that, into that moment. But what's so powerful to me is that those, the, at that moment, um, those two individuals that were present there uh, with Abraham and, and the Lord decide to leave and they head towards Sodom. It's really interesting that the messengers of life also become the messengers of judgment. And we see that the Lord has this moment with Abraham and he says, I don't know if he's just speaking out loud, speaking to himself, but he makes a point that should I even bother telling you where they're going? Because I know who's there. 
and I know what you care about. That's kind of the moment he's having. And he's, he's, he's kind of has this moment like you're going to have, you have a promise over your life. There's, you're going to be a father of the multitudes, all these things. And I should not worry you with this. But when Abraham understands where those individuals are going, this is where we pick, pick up in Genesis 18, 23. Abraham says this, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Pre-adventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Now, I'm not going to read the next few verses. You can get this context because I don't know if there's something that Abraham perceives in that moment that he realizes that there's not 50 righteous in that city. And so this is where Abraham begins to barter with God. What about five less than 50? 45. Is there, if there's 45, will you save that city? And, and the Lord speaks up and he says, yeah, I'll save that city if there was 45. And he realizes there's not 45 and the countdown begins. He's like, what about 30? What about, you know, what about 20? Surely, what about 10? And the Lord says, I'd save the city if there was 10. And there he has this moment that he's like, oh, my Lord, what will you do? But I make this point here that I need us to understand families need to fight for each other. And they need to do it in two ways. One, physically. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to be as plain as I can be today. Right. If, if there is someone coming against your family to cause harm, you, you, need, you need to bow up. You need to be ready, and you, you need to be prepared. Because I, I'm going to just say this. I, I love every member of my family, and I'm not going to let nothing bad come to them if I'm in their midst. I'm just going to, whatever it is, that's my job. That's my duty. We'll talk about right or wrong afterwards, but I'm not going to let nothing hurt my family. All right? Secondly, you better fight just as hard spiritually. And that's what Abraham proves to us. He proves that he's, he's willing to get his whole life, his, the servants, the, everything around him, to go out and war and fight and do those things and put, put physical on the line. And he also goes before God. And he is, he's crying out to the Lord, what about just this number? What about, surely, surely, Lord. There's, there comes a time where you're bugging God. But that's what we need to do. We need to bug God. We need to be persistent for family who is going to lose their life. We need to fight for family. So important. We, we practice this in everything. I, I, I tell you this. Uh, we, need, we, need, uh, we, we need some spiritual ninjas, if I could put it that way. Spiritual, you know, um, just, 
just MMA fighters that know how to throw down spiritually, that know how to give God, give God a, a cry out and give God some attention to say, please, 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 whatever, more time, more, more strength, more healing, more help, whatever it takes, Lord, to keep them alive and to keep them fighting. Help me, help me, help them, right? We have to be fighters. But I want to look at how dysfunction first shows up in this adoptive family. Genesis 13 and 2. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hay unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perzite dwelled, them, dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. There he is. We be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyselves, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. I want to really focus on on couple particular verses. Verse 2 makes this statement that Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and gold. He had stuff. He had lots of stuff. Verse 5 tells us that Lot also, which went with Abram, had stuff. Had flocks and herds and tents. He had stuff. And I want us to really understand this, that dysfunction in Abram and Lot happened when stuff was involved. And I, I can't say this enough that don't let stuff get between you and family. Man, don't let stuff separate you, 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 you the love you have for each other. Now, this isn't, a, this isn't a story about individuals going separate ways to live necessarily in, in you know, their own lives. This is, this is an issue that stuff got out of control and stuff got out of hand and we need to pay attention to that as family and I speak to the to the world we live in we're Americans and one thing about America is that we strive for more we strive to get extra we like extra stuff no matter if it's free or we have to just roll up our sleeves and work for it that's who we are but I will say this be 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 aware of that mentality because all we're doing is adding more stuff inside our houses. Yeah. And I, I, I rather we see homes and houses and families with a different mindset that 
care more about each other than stuff. And we see here this simple story how that the things in their life that couldn't live with each other. If we read this again, let's go back to verse 6. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And here's, here's a real big point we need to, to take in. <clears throat> not, not just stuff got in between the family. The fact is the stuff got in between stuff. Herdmen against herdmen. Cattle against cattle. There was just things combating things in your life. And I want us to hear that because I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of us have, as, as parents, as leaders of home, have a strong desire to push family with a, an objective to be more righteous, to be more holy, to be more, more in tune with God. And I applaud that. that. Those are things that you need to do. But there are also some other things that are at odds with those things. And you're going to have to make a choice what things stay and what things go. What things are you willing to keep around and what things are you willing to say goodbye to? What stuff is worth having, accumulating, and what stuff is causing problems in your life? Can I just say this, that stuff that I'm talking about are not tangible items. I'm not talking about a couch. I'm not talking about, you know, a lampshade. I'm not talking about that stuff. Newlyweds about to be here. I'm not talking about all the stuff, the, the toasters and all those. That's, I'm sure you've got a living room full of boxes. I'm, I feel that. I'm a prophet. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the baggage you keep. I'm talking about some hardness in your life that you can't seem to let go that is filling up the voids in your life. I'm talking about attitudes and, man, I'm talking about politics right now. I'm talking about things that we may not be on the same plane, but I, 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 we have stuff that's coming in between people, families. I'm talking about hard-headedness. That's actually a word, by the way. How many would agree that you got a little hard-headedness? good. We got some. <laughs> Tell you what, hard-headedness had a picture in the dictionary, right? <laughs> It'd be my dad. <laughs> hard-headedness is, is, is a real problem because we all have this because we have those moments where we're like, no, I'm drawing the line. I'm not willing to give in or even communicate on how we can live in this place together. And what happens is that substance becomes so great that they cannot dwell together. I want you to pay attention to that first part. And the land was not able to bear them. Think about that for a second. How much stuff did they have that the entire land was not able to bear them? That's a lot of stuff. At what point is enough enough? Right? At what point do we say, you know what? This is not worth it. 
I'd rather, I'd rather us not separate. I'd rather us come together. I, I don't need this in my life. I don't need that baggage. I don't need those attitudes. I don't need those politics. I don't need those things. It's not worth me losing family over. These are things that we see when we see dysfunction in this particular family. Let's all stand tonight. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to, I have others. We're going to talk about the biological sons in our next um, um, session. And this is such an interesting family because we have real world families today that have more than one parent in the family. We have blended families. We have, this is looking more and more like real life. And I want us to understand that's it's supposed to. And I want to make this point that I said I was going to make early on about Lot. I truly believe that Lot was part or could have been part of the promises that God gave Abraham. I truly believe that the progression of Lot, he went from a nephew to a brethren. I truly believe he could have been a son. And if you, if you follow along in Scripture, what's a, what's a really sad thing is this, that actual chapter there, you can read this on your own, uh, in Genesis chapter 13. God promises him some things when he calls him out of the land. But then as Abraham begins to walk, he's, he's walking to a, a place he doesn't know. And he's believing in the promises of God. But, he's, but the promises that God gave him in that moment weren't very clear. And weren't very definitive. And what's interesting is that as soon as Lot separated from him, the Bible says that God spoke to Abraham then and there and said, I'm going to give you an heir out of a seed and it's interesting that God decided to speak some more clear promises in Abram's life when he separated from Lot. It's not because Lot was, was being somebody necessarily that was blocking the voice of God. That's not the issue. Is that I think Lot forfeited that position. Lot decided to chase more stuff. Watered plains greener grass and and that's that's unfortunate and we know the story of lot we know what happens but i want us to understand if we function like a proper family if we do those things that we're supposed to do if we truly fight for each other we truly if we truly pray for each other and strengthen each other and we we move with each other i'm telling you god god's got some things for the family and i'm saying that as a church family amen I'm saying that as, as Ephesus church family, I really believe that, that God has some powerful things for us if we don't allow certain things to get in our, in our, in our midst, that we don't allow silly stuff to take up space in the land, that if we choose to be that, that type that adopts some, some souls and adopts some hurting people, that God will give us the house and the space we need. I believe that. I hope you believe that. Me and Mattman, we're together on it, I guess. 
Praise God. But let's just get a hold of God really quick right now. God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your time, Lord, that you've given us, Lord. I pray strengthen us. I pray help us. Help us help us see, Lord, how this these dynamics work, God, in your scripture, in your word, and these families, God, and how, how they work in our family, Lord. I, I want to be a family, God, that functions properly by your word. And, Lord, I want to be on guard for the dysfunctions. I want to not, I, I want to tear down some stuff in my life. I want to tear down some things I don't, that are not necessary, God. This, this world's going to pass away, Lord. This world is only temporary, but my God, if I worry about the eternal, if I worry about what really matters, which is my family, which is the ones that I love and the ones that I love in this place right now, I pray help them be my focus, God. I pray help us move together as a family, love each other as a family. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and the thanks. And in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 